Hello and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am so glad that you are here. If you are here for the very first time, welcome. I am so glad that you have found me. Um, And if you have been here before with me, welcome back to our community. This is a place where I strive to help women and men that are experiencing struggles with infertility, loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy, and we also, I want to help you with the heavy grief that are associated with those. I create space here for stories to be shared and connections to happen. Your happiness is very important to me, and it is also important to me that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do me a couple things. I would love for you to first connect with me on social media, both on Instagram and Facebook. I am at Living After Grief and also at Women Connect and Support. We share different information and resources on both of those platforms, so connect on both. Again, Living After Grief, and the other one is Women Connect and Support, both Instagram and Facebook. And then next, I would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on the podcast. You can do one of two things, um, different things to get in contact with me. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook, We'll definitely see it there. Or you can go to my website at livingaftergrief.com and click on the link to schedule a time to talk. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear feedback and suggestions that you may have for the podcast. And I would love to allow you to share your story. And if you have had a loss, I would love to hear about your baby. Hey, I would like to share with you really quick before we get into the episode for today that as a grief coach, I work with clients that are experiencing struggles with infertility, early or late miscarriages, stillbirths, or infant loss. After such profound loss, a woman desires to feel whole again for her family, friends, and most of all, for herself. To experience grief in a healthy way, One has to learn how to navigate through it. It takes time to learn how to live in the new normal. A coach like myself can help you in ways loved ones may not be able to. I am here to walk alongside you to find the hope, laughter, and joy in your life again without the blame and the guilt. I have a better understanding of grief and the necessary mixture of human emotions that come with it and push through to engage in life again so you can so I can help you navigate through those triggers that are keeping you locked inside physically and emotionally life can and will be good again so if you would like to set up a time with me i would love to talk to you just click the link on my website at www.livingaftergrief.com to schedule a time to talk over the phone. And I look forward to hearing from you soon. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. I I just love having guests come on. And of course, with you, we've talked briefly, but I am very excited for you to share with the audience your story, um, just things that can help other other women because you have a um, had a significant loss for sure. And I think it's just beneficial to share and you've done so many things since then. Um, you, I know you're going to just give them so much um, encouragement and, and just so much value, we add value to, to their lives. Um, so before yeah. we get into that, can you tell the audience who is Kristen? 
I love that question. It's mm-hmm. so broad. Um, yeah, I, I, like so many of us, I have a, a couple different identities. And uh-huh. so in my, my public identity is I'm an academic coach. I work at a large university in North Carolina. I work with college students all day. I mm. train staff and faculty in an academic coaching method. So I, um, it, it's a very busy, active, professional life. And I am um, an introvert, private person whose professional life requires that I um, play extrovert during the day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, so that's my professional life. And then there is this whole other identity that I have, which is that of a... Um, a bereft mother. I delivered a stillborn baby almost 18 years ago, Mm. and it was um, just a devastating and transformative event in my life. Mm. And it led to these other pieces of my identity that really developed. Um, And the primary one is that of a writer. So uh, and I can talk more about that as, yeah. as we go through. But um, so I have this memoir that I published about a year and a half ago called mm-hmm. From the Lake House. And I published that <laughs> without telling a lot of the people who I've met later in my life about this major oh. event that had happened to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was very much of a sort of surprise surprise <laughs> there there's more to me than you had known about so yeah. um when my book came out these two identities really sort of became merged in some in some respects okay so um yeah. so that's been interesting and i'm a daughter and a sister and an aunt and i'm a partner to my significant other um I love to hike. I love the mountains. I love yoga. I'm a big reader. I like cooking and started baking a couple of years ago after getting obsessed with the great British Bake Off television show. So spending a lot of time in my kitchen. (laughs) Wow. I'm going to need to come visit when you're in a cooking (laughs) mood. (laughs) Yes, please do. Okay. Will do. Wow. You... You have a lot of loves, it sounds like, a lot of interest. I love that. So, I do. Awesome. So you've already indicated, and I as well, that you ha- had a loss. And so, of course, that's kind of what we're going we're gonna to start with, for sure, on the podcast, is if you can kind of share your story um, of that loss. Yeah, I'm happy to. So it was almost 18 years ago, and mm-hmm. I was um, in a relationship with someone I'm no longer in a relationship with. And okay. the relationship, and this is, I write about this in my book. So um, the relationship was starting to struggle around the same time we became pregnant. And so the pregnancy was this mixed experience of great sort of joy and excitement. I had always wanted to be a mother with anxiety about how will we do this? How will we be parents together when we're struggling as a couple? Mm. So it was all the emotions that one could have I was having while I was pregnant. Um, And I was 41 weeks pregnant when I woke up one morning and had not felt her move Mm. um and i'd usually she was very on a sort of schedule of moving so long story short i went to the hospital and had an emergency ultrasound and um we discovered that her heart had stopped beating Mm. so i was given the option of and there's more i can say about what that Mm-hmm. news was like but just to get the sort of facts out I was given the option of checking into that ho- into the hospital right then and there to start to get induced to get labor induced and to deliver her or to go home and just sort of 
get my head around it and then come back, which is what I chose to do. Okay. So I was home for a day and then I went back and um, started the labor and delivery process. Mm-hmm. So let's go back a little bit. Was there any, I assume that the pregnancy itself was, was good? No complications or anything? No complications. That's, awesome. yeah, that's an important yeah. piece to the story. Just everything was fine. Yeah. So it's just one of those yeah. terrible yes. experiences that many women have. No, do. no warning. And then it just... Mm-hmm. Something was, changed. Yeah. So a question that pops in my head is, you indicated you were 41 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a plan to induce? Mm-hmm. The, or were they just, you know, going to let you go? Uh, ironically, that same morning that mm-hmm. I had not felt her move, my midwife called me. So mm-hmm. it, it all happened very quickly. I was... Mm-hmm not feeling or move. And I thought, well, let me just drink some orange juice and, you know, Wake get some up. blood mm-hmm. sugar going. Mm-hmm. And yeah. during that time, my midwife happened to call me mm. and she said, I'm looking through your records. And I think if labor doesn't start in the next, you know, two days, we're going to go ahead and induce you. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, but here's what's happening now. Mm. And she said, you're probably fine. Sometimes at the very end of a pregnancy, things can, it just gets kind of squished in Mm. your uterus. So you might not feel as much movement. So drink some orange juice, try to relax. And I was at this point, not relaxed. I was sure. Yeah. And I said, I've actually had a glass of orange juice. And she said, well, I think you're okay. You know, she was sitting there looking at all of my records. Mm hmm. So um, she said, like, if nothing changes in the next couple of hours, call me and we'll just have you go in and we'll do an ultrasound and make sure everything's okay. So mm-hmm. um, I went in and I remember, and I was with my partner at the time, my, her mm-hmm. father, mm-hmm. and I thought, should I bring my, like, my bag I had my overnight bag that had been packed with all my baby oh, stuff sure. in there. Yeah, like, is this yeah. is this the trip? Am I going to deliver my baby or am I going to get induced or am I going for an ultrasound and then I'm going to go home again? <laughs> so it was all very surreal. Um, and I brought the bag mm-hmm. and I just remember lying on the triage table in the triage room. And I had been by myself for a little bit because her father was parking the car and the nurse hadn't arrived yet. So I was just by myself in this triage room. I hadn't yet gotten the news. There was no ultrasound yet. And I was just staring at my bag and just looking at it, sort of leaning against the wall across the way from me. And I just thought, gosh, my bag looks so out of place and lonely here. It was so odd. Hmm. Anyway. So interesting. Yeah. 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 So, um, did you wait? I mean, you had indicated she said wait a couple hours, and but you also indicated, you know, you were very anxious about that. Did you actually wait those couple hours, or did you just go ahead and go? I did. I did wait. I okay. was such a rule follower. That's yeah. Okay. Part of yeah. my identity. It's like yeah. tell me what to do, and I'll do it. You yeah. know better than me. Right. Um. So I was home. And mm-hmm. I remember I took a bath and I was like mm-hmm. trying to meditate and just trying to relax. Sure. And, um, yeah. So I followed yeah. the, I followed the advice. Yeah. And I just ask that because sometimes, you know, we women, we kind of get a gut feeling and, um, I have women that have come on that, you know, same as you, like, you know, they know this is like my first time. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, tell me what I need to do. And then there's other times it's like, mm, no, gut feeling like I'm out of here. I'm going kind of thing. So I was just curious as to what she did. Yeah, I think in my No right heart, or wrong. No right or wrong. No, yeah, yeah I understand. I, I think in my heart I knew that something, something. was really wrong because it had been very unusual. But mm-hmm. it was my first pregnancy. Mm, yeah. And I'm not a 
I'm just, I'm very compliant as a patient, uh-huh. you know? So I just, yeah. I did what she yeah. suggested I do. And as it turns out, I could have gone to the hospital right away, but it, it would have been too late. She, right, right. you know, it, she right. had already died. Right. Yeah. So, I, I'm more like you, like, you know, just tell me what to do and I'm following the rules. And right. So I, I totally, totally understand <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. So um, they did the ultrasound. They did the ultrasound. And I remember this very clearly. I was again, I had been alone in the room and then a nurse came in and she was doing the ultrasound and I had so many ultrasounds. So I knew what to expect, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Mm-hmm. And it was silent. Mm. And she was just moving the wand across my belly and there was nothing. And mm. she was very sweet and cheerful and she must've been petrified, you know? Mm. Yeah. And she said, well, I don't always have success in finding the heartbeat. So I'm going to go get the doctor. And it was at that point mm. that I knew, I just knew like, okay, just brace yourself. And as, as I said, um, at the beginning, I'm very introverted. And so I, I just got real sort of small in myself. I just sort of withdrew mm-hmm. more and more while I waited for the doctor to come in. And at the same time the doctor came in, Carly, that, maybe, that was maybe his name, her father came in. And I remember very clearly he had that smell of being outside. It was January, so it was cold. And mm. you know, that sort of outdoor cold yeah. sort of aroma that gets on your skin and on your coat. Mm-hmm. And they both just came to me at once. And the doctor did the ultrasound and he um, asked me to look at the screen with him, which in retrospect, I wish he hadn't because mm. I have like... PTSD looking at any pictures of the insides of my body. I just can't do it. Mm. Um, But he asked me to look at the screen and he said, do you see your baby's heart? And I couldn't because I never knew what I was looking at. Mm -hmm. But I said, yes, just because again, compliant. And he said, you see how it's not beating your baby's died. And Mm. I just rolled away from him and told him that he could leave and then um, my partner started sobbing and I just curled up and just got quiet and just like went into myself. I didn't cry. I didn't, um, I didn't make a sound for a long time. So, um, and then I have, a, I have some family who lives in the area, so my brother was called and he came to the hospital and he told me later that when he came into the triage room, I was sort of like curled up and kind of like moaning and rocking back and forth. And I don't even know that I was doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's very much, uh, you know, I could look at the experience objectively and think like, wow, just really out of body. Like it's sort of amazing what our brains and bodies can do to protect us Mm -hmm. when we're not able to absorb trauma. Um, And the, the, the non-objective side of myself is like, wow, I have so much compassion for that younger version of me who was just so, just so devastated, just Mm -hmm. I wish I could have been there sort of to hug her and if you know what I mean, I can sort of see myself now as someone who was almost 20 years younger than I am at this point and just, she just needed so much um, and she really was kind of on her own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you had indicated earlier that they gave you a choice. Um, 
whether to be induced right then or go home and come back. And you had indicated you chose to go home Mm -hmm. um, to kind of wrap your head around all of that. Um, Would you like to share any of kind of, kind of that? I mean, that night um, had to have been very, very, very difficult. Um, Yeah. (laughs) To say the least, Mm -hmm. I do remember this is so odd. As I was leaving, my so my midwife at some point arrived at the hospital and um, was very kind to me. And as I was leaving, she gave me a bottle of Zoloft and a bottle of, um, I guess, Ambien or some sleep thing. Mm. And she said, go ahead and take these. You're going to need them. <laughs> mm. So, and I'm not even someone who uh, drugs uh, never took drugs of mm-hmm. any kind, really. Mm-hmm. So I remember going home, and I just instantly took the Ambien or whatever the sleep thing was because I didn't want to feel anything. Of I course. just thought, you know, take me out now. Um. So I don't really remember that mm-hmm. night, but I remember in the morning waking up and you know when you when you wake up from sleep for the first I don't know two or three seconds you're not fully cognizant of your life yet Mm -hmm. and then so I had that and then the reality just flooded over me Mm. and I just instantly started to sob Mm -hmm. Um, because I I was still carrying her I was still with a 41 week old baby and I was just sobbing and Mm. my partner was trying to comfort me. And the one thing I do remember he said, which um, I don't fault him for at all was, you know, we'll try again. We'll have another Mm. baby. And I just snapped. Mm. I was like, I don't want another baby. This is Mm. the baby that I want. Yeah, you know, this is the only baby that I want. Um, so, and then the day was a blur of family. I, I had family in North Carolina at the time. My mother flew in. Um, she was in New York at the time. She flew in. So my house just became this busy place of people mm. coming and food was getting delivered and, um, and I would just sort of walk back and forth between my bedroom and my living room. I had a real small house at the time just to try to find a place. Where can I go where I won't feel anything, mm. <laughs> you know, and there's nowhere. But mm-hmm. again, this sort of interesting sort of looking at it objectively, like a trauma response, just like I wanted to get out of my head out of my body and I could not figure out where to put myself Um, and that night so I had I had been part of this midwife practice where there are three or four midwives and the person who was on call the day I was due then to go back to the hospital to be induced was a new person in the practice who I had never met it was mm. like her her first night on the job. The poor oh, wow. thing. Yeah. I know. Oh. So she she came to my house at night and she introduced herself to me. I mean, I could just cry. It was the nicest, sweetest, kindest thing. And she just sat there with my family and was just such a comfort and just said, Here's just sort of laid out to me what to expect. Um, because I didn't know what to expect. I knew I was going back to the hospital, but I'd never delivered a baby before. I didn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. What is that going to be like, number one? What is it going to be like delivering a baby who's no longer living? Right. You know, and I remember I asked her, could you please knock me out? Can I just be completely numbed? Um, And she said, "Mm, I don't think you want to do that. This is your baby. And as hard as it is, you're going to want to remember the delivery. Mm. Um, And she was right, but 
I just was then terrified for, you know, I was just terrified because I thought I'm going to go through this and I don't know if I can. Mm. Um, but well, I did. It sounds like she was new to the practice, but not new to. Um, Correct. You know, um, and, and it sounds like it was really kind of the perfect, for lack of a better word, for you at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a seasoned midwife who was yeah. absolutely new to the practice, so she knew. Yeah, she knew what to do, how to how to help you through a difficult yeah. time. Yeah. So, the next day, then you delivered Carly, and we won't go into all the details. Was that um, quickly? No, <laughs> it was no, not quickly. Because yeah. sometimes I think with others, I have heard that. It was quick, you know, um, considering, you know, everything, but it wasn't. It took a long time, huh? I will just say we got there in the morning. I was given Pitocin shot, another shot, and I didn't deliver her till like three in the morning. Mm, So it was like almost 24 hours. It was so bizarre. I'm like, what is Mm. going on? When is labor going to start? And then all of a sudden it just started. And once it started, it went very quickly. But labor just was not starting. Mm. So it was a long day. Yeah. long day. It was a surreal day. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, I know with other people, it depends on where you deliver, if that, um, how that experience is then. Did you get to spend time? with Carly and pictures or, or did you not want to do that? I mean, I think it's great that the, the midwife really kind of told you ahead of time and was there to let you know ahead of time mm-hmm. of what to expect and stuff. I think that's wonderful that, mm-hmm. that she was there. Cause there are times where nothing is explained, you know? Right. Right. So, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, I mean, there was a whole period of time where no one even talked about it. It was just right, like it never happened. So I was able to spend time with her. Um, My family had been, my mom and brother and sister-in-law had been in the hospital waiting with us. They were just wonderful. And as soon as she was delivered and, you know, cleaned up and, put into a blanket and she was given to me to hold. And um, as an aside, we didn't know the gender. Mm. Um, and I was so certain I was going to have a boy. And, oh, okay. Uh, and everybody thought, I mean, who knows, but the, the message that I was getting from every person and my heart was that this was going to be a boy. Mm. So when she was, when I delivered her, there was a few minutes where I just remember I was kind of lying on the table, just shaking and my partner was there and he was shaking. We were both just sort of crying. And then we didn't know what the gender was. And so the midwife wrapped her up and brought her to me and said, you had a girl. And my first response was just incredible joy. I just thought, oh, my gosh, I'm having a girl. I just feel like I could cry right now. But mm. uh, it was just such an incredible surprise and, a, and, mm. a, and a, like a wonderful surprise. I didn't even I hadn't even really cared what gender I had. But the minute I knew that it was a girl, I felt like this is what I wanted anyway. Mm. So Beautiful. I was holding her for a while and um her father was holding her for a while and then my family came in and um my brother held her for a while and um and then my we had a we had a brief little sort of not a ceremony but we my brother had some poems that he had prepared that he had gathered Mm -hmm. he didn't write them for for us to he read them to us while I held her so Mm. I think altogether, I was probably able to spend like 30 minutes with her. Okay. 
Um, and my midwife said to me very clearly, you can be with her as long as you want. Yeah. You know, so now it's, it's like 3.30 in the morning. So mm. my family it's... is exhausted and yeah. I'm exhausted. And she said, you can keep her now. You can let me know if you want me to bring her back. So I was given that option. Good. And I just, that was it. I didn't, I just couldn't do any more mm-hmm. than that. Um, so. Well, I you remember. had had a very long day. It was quite a long day. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember handing her back to mm. um, the midwife, which was just a, a moment that seared into my memory. Just, you know, here she is. You can take her now. And I was just staring at her and trying to commit her. Really, her face is the only thing that I saw because she was wrapped up in a blanket. Just trying to commit her face to my memory and just trying to send her this sort of message that I'm her mother and we're still going to be together somehow. And at the same time, I felt very self-conscious because... I wasn't alone and I thought maybe I should be saying something out loud. I don't know what to say Mm. anyway. So I just handed her back to the midwife and the midwife, the midwife just was so loving the way she held her and looked down at her. I remember that so clearly. It just felt like this very sort of sacred moment that we were all experiencing together. Mm. Um, and that was that was it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was beautiful, even though a very difficult time. But it sounds like it was very peaceful and beautiful for you, which which is good to hear because mm-hmm. it's not all like that with with everyone. So I'm glad that it was like that for you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So did you, you said about, um, you know, remembering what she looks like, were there pictures taken or did you not do any pictures? The nurses had, without my knowing it, had taken a couple of Polaroids of her. Okay. Okay. And so when I, so during my recovery period, I slept for a couple hours in that room where I delivered her Mm -hmm. with, my partner and then in the morning we were moved to another part of the hospital okay um and and recovered in there for sort of half a day and at that point some time in that day my midwife who had delivered her came and had this real big sort of cloth pink envelope and said there's all sorts of things in here for you mm-hmm. including some polaroids that we took Hmm. So I didn't want to open this envelope yet. And when I got home, maybe like the next day, the next morning, um, we looked at the Polaroids and it was really, again, like beautiful and also upsetting. Hmm. (laughs) Because, you know, there she was and they had photos of her in a little um, sort of onesie. And mm. I remember, like, there were her hands, mm. and I was counting her fingers mm. in the in the photograph, and I was so like, "Wow, she looks so healthy, and she has these chubby hands." And then this like incredible sorrow that, like, why didn't I open up the blanket? How come mm. I didn't think to do that and see her hands and her legs and so I was grateful for the photographs, and it also was, a, it felt like a little sting, like, gosh, mm. other people saw my entire baby, and I didn't. Mm. So. Yeah. And I think those are, those are things that I'm glad that you're sharing um, on the podcast, because those things happen. But, you know, in the moment, you just... I think a lot of times just not even thinking 
you know, mm-hmm. just kind of going through the motions. And but I think it's good for for people to hear, you know, those women that have have gone through things similar to yours, so that um, they're aware, you know, and they hopefully the people listening right now are are not ever going to experience that. We don't want that. But they may become a time where they they are exposed to that, maybe a friend or a family member or, or even themselves. And just be aware that there's so many things that you can do and know what women have experienced that was good and things they wish they would have had experienced. So I think it's good to um, to share all of that. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that you did that. Yeah, you're welcome. That. So a couple of things that I'd like you to um kind of share from there is obviously tremendous tremendous amount of grief um where did you find support mm-hmm. um i found support in a couple of very clear paths that i ended up walking mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. um one the first one was my journal Mm-hmm. So I had a bunch of friends who had come to visit me, um, you know, in that first month or so. And one of my friends gave me a, a, a brand new journal with a note inside that said a place for you to let your feelings flow or something like that. And mm-hmm. I had always journaled, so it wasn't new to me. But I I took that as, as a very like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start writing about this. And it became just this necessity in my day-to-day life to open up that journal and write in it. And I started writing letters to Carly in this journal and it started to become a place where I discovered that I could find a way to express things that I didn't feel like I could express to anybody really Mm because my emotions were so raw and I, part of me was like protecting other people <laughs> from the intensity of my emotions. Mm. So it became this real safe place to, to get out what I really needed to get out. And it became a place where I really learned how to develop this other kind of relationship with my daughter. You know, mm. I, I was not going to be a mother in the way that I had wanted to be, obviously, but I thought I'm going to, I'm going to do it in a different way. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to create this kind of spiritual connection with her. And I'm going to begin it by writing letters to her. So it was enormously helpful to me. Um, And I just have reams of journals from that first, certainly that first year, that is just kind of like a goldmine of (laughs) a record yeah. of my emotional state at that time. So that was one thing. Another thing that was incredibly helpful was I connected with another woman who had delivered a stillborn baby at about the same time as I had. Mm. We connected through this support, this online support group that I had sort of found in just a Google search. I was just looking around for what's out there and posted a message on this forum and it's not really my thing to be public and sure but something in me said to do it and this woman her name is Jennifer and she wrote back right away and we just connected immediately because we we were having the same experience in real time Mm -hmm. um for her it was her first baby and um she was real introverted like I was and Mm. struggling to like, how do I go back to work? So we had so much to support each other with. And I would say during that first year or so, we probably wrote a letter via email to each other just about every day. Mm. So that felt like just a gift from God, just the writing and the writing with this one particular person. It was just perfect for me. Yeah. It was just the, the best way for me to um, process and, and sort of move through this this grief. And I was really mm-hmm. lucid that I, I wanted to I wanted to move through it. I wanted to 
somehow learn from this or grow from this or or make something from this. I just did not want to be the person who just was filled with sorrow for the rest of her life. You know, I, yeah. said, I, I need to do something with this. So I feel like God just sent me this journal and sent me this, this friend. We're still in touch 18 years later. And mm. it really opened up all sorts of pathways for me that has transformed my life now, but really it was like the, the medicine that I needed at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's um, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you had those things. And I, and I hear that a lot that the journaling and the writing to it, to get those emotions this down is so important. And the other thing it helps you to recall that, especially that first year where the emotions um, are so strong that Mm -hmm. I've had women say like, I don't even remember what I did. And, And in that instance, she, one gal in particular said, I'm so grateful that family and friends, you know, took pictures of things that happened that year because I don't even remember them, you mm-hmm. know, um, those, those, those memories, I, you know, because the emotions were so strong. So I think picture taking mm-hmm. for the audience, picture taking and journaling are really important things to do. I agree. That first year. I think the other thing about journaling is it, it changes your relationship to the feelings that you're having. Mm. Because I think when you're like in the throes of intense raw emotions, it is very overwhelming and it's, it's hard to know what to do with them. You know, Mm -hmm. it can almost feel like you're held hostage by them. And when you write about them, or this was my experience anyway, in writing about them, I could see them a little bit differently. And it Mm -hmm. just, it became this, this new way of looking at new way of relating to the emotions. Yes, I was still having them. They were overwhelming, but I was also able to look at them a little bit from afar Mm -hmm. from time to time. And that helped me to um, just sort of gain some moments of freedom. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say what I've heard is almost a little release, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for a little bit from them, you know, Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, good. Um, I love that you said that you did not want to, I believe you said, kind of be, you wanted to learn and grow um, and make something from it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's important. Um, I think it sounds like you kind of decided that pretty, pretty quickly. Um, And that's, that's 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 great and I think that's a lot of times sometimes and it's whatever whatever is right for people but I think that's with almost all they want to make sure that something comes from Mm -hmm. and there's a learning from this horrible experience you know that they've been through that and that their baby there was um there was a reason, you know, for the, for their baby to be part of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, another thing that you said, you know, you mothered her in a, it's, it was a different way, but you still are her mother, mm-hmm. you know, and her mother spiritually. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know from your journaling um, and you it, talked about it at the beginning, um, there's a book that came from that. There is a book that came from that. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, this is another sort of, I think, divine intervention moment in the process. So I'd done this journaling. I'd also done a lot of reading about just grief and loss and infant loss. Mm -hmm. And early on, like in the first month, I was given a memoir about written by someone who'd lost a baby Mm -hmm. years earlier. And I read it and was very moved by it. And so fast forward like a year later, I'm starting to feel like I'm 
sort of getting my life, I shouldn't say getting my life back together, but mm -hmm. I was functioning better. Sure. <laughs> and at this point, um, the, the, my partner and I, our relationship did not survive this mm. and we had separated. So I was on my own. I was 40 at the time and I thought, okay, I guess I'm like, I'm truly starting over. I'm single again. I'm probably not going to be a mother and I'm not. Um, anyway, so what am I going to do with my life? So I decided, let me, let me take a class. At the, we have an art center near where I live. Let me just go take some class, just do something sort of fun. And I found a class that was something like, it was called something like journaling for your life. And I'm like, wow, that sounds perfect for me because I'm doing all this journaling. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, the, the teacher of the class is the author of this memoir that I had read the month after mm. I lost my baby. So her name is Carol Henderson and the name of her book that I had read is Losing Malcolm. So I didn't know that we had lived in the same town. I didn't know anything about her, but she was <laughs> teaching this class. So I thought, I'm definitely signing up for this class. Wow. So I went and it was great. And she then invited me to this writing group that she was starting privately in her home. And she had shared with me that she could tell in my writing that there was some big event that had happened mm. in my life. And I started sharing with her in dribs and drabs. Anyway, I joined her private writing group and it was in this group and it was all women where I really started to write about my story from soup to nuts, the whole thing. Wow. And um, I don't think I ever would have done it without this group. And I remember every time I would share a little bit more, I would be so nervous and I would be so anxious. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to judge me. They're going to feel sorry for me. Also, my writing is probably horrible, you know, just like sure what we do to ourselves, <laughs> like nothing good is going to come from oh. it. And every time I would share more, I would get this positive encouragement like, wow, keep going, keep writing. This is an, you know, this is an important story to share with the world. You've got universal themes in here. So I wrote the whole memoir with this group supporting me and it all started by <laughs> discovering that the author of this other memoir I'd written I had read was, was in my town and was a teacher and it just felt so special to me um yes. the way all of that worked <laughs> out <laughs> yes yeah wow yeah how things all came together and connected. Um, just so, I don't know, spiritual, I'll just say. It, it is, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yes. There Supposed were, there to were, be. Wow. There was, I was Those being pieces. cared for you were. in ways that I didn't realize at the time. I can see now all these little breadcrumbs that were laid out in front of me, yeah. and I just kept following them. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I feel so, oh, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So um, I know your book um, just came out. So you want to share a little bit about the title of your book? I don't know if you've shared that yet. And when that is out and where people can, can grab that if they'd like it. Yeah. So my book is called From the Lake House, A Mother's Odyssey of Loss and Love. And it is published by She Writes Press. And it was released in the height of the pandemic, mm. July 2020. So what an interesting time to try to <laughs> sell and publicize a book, a book about yeah. a, you know, it's a hard topic. And yeah, it was interesting timing. Anyway, yeah. um, it is available on Amazon um, for those who want to support independent bookstores. Um, which I encourage sure. um, indie bound 
is a website where you can order um, order all sorts of books and they will send it to you just in the same way that Amazon does. But it's okay. Um, Not heard of that, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's we'll, what it is. And uh, we'll grab I'll grab those links and stuff, and we'll put those in the show notes if people aren't familiar with them, so that mm-hmm. they have Thank a you. place to to um, to order if they'd like to. Thank you. So good. I one thing I wrote that is kind of sticking and I want to make sure that I just touch on it because it does happen a lot. Um, and you had indicated how it hit you was when um, you're, you're the mother or the father mm-hmm. of um, your daughter said, you know, we can have another baby. Mm-hmm. And your response to that was, I wanted this baby. And I think, um, People just in general, you know, they, they try to support and they don't realize, you know, what, what those words, how those words are received. Mm-hmm. Um, when people say things like that, you can have another baby or, you know, or you try again or mm-hmm. um, was meant to be or, you know, none of those are good things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. These are, this was a baby that you wanted and nothing none of those things will ever replace that child. Um, So just, I think, so people know Mm -hmm. um, we need to continue to make an awareness of those, those things that people say. Yeah. Thank you for underscoring that. It is, it is important. And, and I also recognize as do you, I'm sure it's all meant with, love yes. and yes you know wanting to be helpful and it's so hard to know what to say to someone who's lost a baby it's just it's just understandably difficult and could be awkward and so I had other people say that to me in so many words and I always took it as mm. you know they're trying to be helpful yeah and they are. um and it's um it can come across as minimizing unintentionally minimizing the feelings that you have (laughs) for the baby that is no longer here. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Do you do, and just um, a question that just came to me was, do you do anything in Carly's um, to honor Carly? um, Remember her on a a yearly basis or Mm -hmm. did you do that at the beginning and now it's kind of, you don't or, no, I every year on her birthday I do a a bunch of things. Um, okay. Yeah, it that's that was part of my initial. I am not going to let this just fade Good. <laughs> into the background, and I don't expect it to be in the foreground of really anyone's life but mine and her father's. But anyway, so every year on her birthday, I have this special hat box that has all the condolence cards that we Mm. received and like a special journal that I write yearly letters to her in. And I have like, I saved a diaper that obviously had not been used, but out of all the things that I bought and then I didn't need, I like put a diaper in this box and some of the like baby lotions. And I just, spend time in that box and I write her a letter and it just feels so comforting and, and hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But it feels like this is my, this is my time with her. And it's not that I don't think about her. I think about her the other days of the year as well, but it's, it's, it's dedicated time. It's intentional time. It's, you know, it's for me, it's for her. And, I play the music that I remember I played when I was delivering her. So I really kind of create the environment to bring myself back to that moment and, and really immerse myself as much as I can. So mm. I'll, I'll keep doing that as long as I'm here. It's yeah, <laughs> beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Indicated. And we had talked previously, you know, that your relationship didn't 
get through all of this. Um, but you had mm-hmm. also indicated that it was a little, sounds like a little rocky um, at that time. But yeah. I'm sure yeah. this did not, the loss of Carly kind of probably really took its toll on, on the relationship. And yeah, it happens. certainly. And it happens. Yes, it really, it is very common. Yeah, we were likely not going to make it. Um, we, it had been, this is all in my book for anyone out there who yeah, wants to, wants hear to the read whole the whole saga. thing. Okay. But um, <laughs> it was a rebound relationship for both of us, which is mm. never good and just all sorts of yeah fast decisions were made and rebound land and um when the dust started settling we were both like oh boy (laughs) we might have gone too fast and it was at that time that I got pregnant so Mm -hmm. we were likely not going to make it but certainly we were not at all strong enough or equipped and I I am 50% part of that relationship did not have the ability to hold it together, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, within six months of her um, her death, I was on my own again. He moved out, and mm. it was really this um, just a really intense period of my life. And so, like that's yeah, certainly part yeah. of my story was my. I really had to rethink my entire identity. I was like, wow, mm. who, who am I? Who am I going to be? Because everything that I was, I'm not. Everything that I thought I was going to be and have, I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. um, it was, in retrospect, a part of this whole sort of feeling like this experience transformed me from the inside out. And maybe that was part of this plan that I didn't yeah not plan or whatever but yeah yeah, um, yeah so okay it was yeah and and statistically a lot of times marriages don't withstand but then on the other hand there's some that become very very strong mm-hmm. you know so um just for the listeners you know I think a big part of that is, but you had indicated that, you know, you were not strong enough to hold it together for, for, for the relationship. But I think communication um, when this happens is huge. And to know that um, both partners are going to grieve differently. And that's Mm -hmm. a big part of why um, um, marriages or relationships don't withstand it is because there's not an understanding of the grief Mm -hmm. that each is going through, which, which is totally different. And so uh, there's just a whole lot that goes around uh, that, you know, with the blame and sometimes blaming each other. And, you know, it's just a big old, big old circle, but Mm -hmm. I think so communication needs to be key um, Mm -hmm. when there's a loss like this. So um, I want to, unless there's, you can't, um, if there's something else that you would like to share on that, if not, if you can just kind of summarize some things, some good words of advice or encouragement for the listeners. Yeah, um, certainly. I would say, um, you know, patience and faith Mm. are so important. It, It just, that, that first year, for me felt like I had just been thrown into a blender and, and I was sort of like a zombie in a blender, just, Mm. (laughs) just having a really hard time. Everything felt like I was watching life happening Mm. as opposed to participating in it. And um, I remember clearly having a couple of good days here and there. And I would think, Oh, thank goodness. I'm better. (laughs) Mm. I'm having a good day. And of course, that's not how grief works, because then you Mm. cycle backwards. And those first rounds of having a good day followed by some low days again, I would get so down on myself. And I would think like, I'm not grieving right. Like, it should just be this 
this like upward trajectory, like there's yeah, no dips. No. no. <laughs> and I started to realize, oh, this is part of the process. Mm. So having patience when I was in a like, oh, I sort of feel myself getting low and sad. Okay, I know what to do at this point. I need to like go outside for a walk or I need to get my journal or I need to call a friend or I, you know, it's not going to last, but it's here. So how do I be patient and have faith that it will pass because it, it does. So that would be one <laughs> word of advice for people who are experiencing this at the beginning of the journey is that it's there's unpredictability to it but mm. you know just sort of hold on because it definitely does um shift mm -hmm. so um i think that's important and the the other or another word of encouragement is to really honor honor your baby honor your loss don't um, don't feel ashamed by keeping your baby in the forefront of your life in whatever way that, um, that looks for you. You don't have to explain it to anybody. I remember for the first year I kept those Polaroids out in frames mm. in my bedroom and not that I had people visiting me in my bedroom, but I remember like I had a cat sitter I'd gone away for a few days and I thought I wonder if I should put these photos away like I don't oh. want to sort of upset the cat sitter and then I thought well no this is really important to me so whatever you need to do to honor your baby and to honor the relationship that you have or that you're trying to form with your baby even though your baby's not here anymore just do it give yourself that um give yourself that time and that space to, to bond with your baby in whatever shape that takes. Um, despite your baby not being here, you're still, you're still the mother to that baby. So, yeah. so honor that relationship. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. I love when you say it will shift, you know, you're not going to in your grief that the grief shifts you know things are constantly moving and and shifting as you're going through um those days those weeks those years mm -hmm. um, that things to be patient and and it and it does shift it doesn't go away um but it will shift uh, in it different will shift. ways mm -hmm. yeah and grief is it's a universal experience and mm -hmm. it's also like it's a there's something sacred about it mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. i think if you can um sort of find meaning in the fact that everyone grieves at some point and it's a way to really yes tap into some other if you have a spiritual practice or Mm -hmm. Whatever the case may be, there there can be something really sacred and special about the grieving process, as odd as that may sound. Um, I do recall when I was really feeling much more functional, there were times when I sort of missed those first periods. Mm. I, I really felt like I was being supported in these ways that I couldn't name, but... Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, well, I'm so glad that you experienced those. Mm -hmm. um, that that's um, that's important, and I love that you you mentioned about honoring your baby and however you, you want to honor your baby. Because I think a lot of times we do, like you just indicated, that we're we're aware of other people around us and how they may feel our you know, with us talking about our baby or having pictures of our baby or whatever that is that we want to do, that we should just do it, you know, whatever we feel. And I love that you said that because I am in total agreement with that. And if you want to talk about your baby, just continue to talk and hang pictures and post pictures on social media, that it's important for you and not to really worry about those other everyone else <laughs> right. worry about everyone else right correct take care you're of the, you 
You're the mother. <laughs> yep. Take care of you. Yeah. So anyway, well, I want to thank you so much for sharing um, your story with us, for sharing Carly's story with us. Um, I really do appreciate you sharing all of that with the audience. Um, I know it will be um, of great value to the to the listeners, um, and someone will connect like you did. Mm-hmm. with the woman that helps support you. So I thank you again so much for You're so welcome. for sharing. It's my my pleasure. It feels like a a a real gift to be able to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Um and particularly knowing that there are women who are experiencing the same kind of mm-hmm. loss and if this can be helpful for them then I'm so grateful. Awesome. All righty. Well, thank you. I am so grateful to have been connected to Kristen so that she could come on and share her story with you to share about how she navigated through the grief of losing her daughter, Carly. She talked about the journaling that she did that was so helpful to her and also the support from a stranger, which is so important. And that is the goal here is just really connecting people together to give each other support through what is one of the most difficult um, forms of grief, the loss of a child. And so if you would like, of course, um, as Kristen mentioned, she wrote a book and that uh, information, her website, uh, where to find her on Facebook is all in the show notes. So you can reach out to her. Of course, take time, get a hold of that book. I know I will be ordering the book so that I have that and can read that. I'm so um, excited to get that book in my hands and read the rest of her story. I hope that this episode has brought great value to you. If you could, of course, subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode, I would greatly appreciate that. And if you can write a review, that would be most helpful. I also would love to hear if this indeed has brought value to you and any suggestions of guests or other ways that I can support you and bring value to you. I am so open to that. So in the show notes, um, reach out, go to my website, reach out to me. would love to hear from you and spend a little time talking. If I can help you, navigate through that grief that is my goal my mission to help support you i am very much interested in connecting with you also if you would like to just share your story and have support that way because we know that when we share our story that we will inspire others and give them hope